0: All right, good to see you this morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. wasn't the weather yesterday incredible? Just unbelievably beautiful. I hope you got out, got to enjoy some of that. We're having a great weekend around our place. We've got two grandkids have birthdays this weekend. One yesterday, one today, so we're celebrating all weekend and looking forward to our tenth grandchild any day. And so we're excited about that and and uh, appreciate uh, you praying for that as long as. I know we've always got ladies in our church who are about to give birth. It seems like God's blessed us that way, so we'll be praying for all of them in these days. And, and uh, God has blessed our church. I know it's just great to be able to be here. In light of all that's gone on this uh, past year, just don't want, want us to ever take for granted the fact that we get to be here and come together like we have. In fact, I, I saw, I came across a website this past week, a church uh, over in Decatur, Illinois, and I thought, "Wow, look at that building!" And I, and I wanted to show that to you guys. So take a look at this picture. It may look familiar to you. Is that something? I thought, "What in the world?" I, I thought our church was pretty unique in our building, and uh, I don't know if they use the same architect or what was going on there, but somehow they got a church a lot like ours. And uh, of course. God's blessed us in a lot of ways other than just our building, right? I mean, he's, we do have some unique things about our church. So many blessings God's given to us, and um, it's uh, unusual to have as much as we have. And speaking about unusual, I don't know if you ever thought about or not, but, you know, some of the guys on staff, they have some pretty unusual last names, now last sometime back I went to a website that gave statistics on last names. And even the name Pinkerton is not a real common name. Pinkerton is the 4386th most common last name in our country. That's 0.003% of people. Around 7500 Pinkertons in the country. Wiseheart is 38808th most common last name. So it's 0.0005%, there's a 1,250 of us. And how many Kirchenbauers do you think there are? <laughs> there's only around 200 U.S. last names that are Kirchenbauer, but even less. Think about Pastor Harold up at Northwood Campus at Grace Point, you know, Harold Bierga. How many, bir- just over 100 biergas in the country. So not many biergas around. Of course, we know stats really don't matter. It's What matters is character rights, the type of person you are. So I went to another website where you could put in a name and supposedly they'd tell you a little bit about yourself based on your last name. And I went to it originally, not knowing that it was all satire. And I punched in my last name, Wiseheart from the Swahili root, meaning failure. (laughs) And then they tell you a little bit more. Wiseheart draws strength from the weakness of others. (laughs) Wiseheart hates happy people (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) Wiseheart doesn't bathe regularly. They got that completely wrong. I bathe at least every other week, whether I need it or not. I was feeling pretty bad seeing all that, so I punched in the other guys. Pinkerton, Pinkerton from the Arabic root, meaning dog's breath. Pinkerton is not exceptionally stable. Pinkerton is cold and calculating. Pinkerton would sell relatives for a buck. Don't I know it. How about Kirchenbauer? From the Slavic root meaning bile, (laughs) Kirchenbauer is drawn to the scene of an accident by morbid curiosity. Guess that's why Forrest likes racing. Kirchenbauer knows more about nothing than anybody. (laughs) Kirchenbauer is a shivering ball of rage waiting to explode. I don't know. Maybe they got something all like that. What's in a name? You know, you you throw out a name, and immediately sometimes a picture comes to your mind about that person, right? So, if uh, for instance, if I say if I say Hitler, it's immediate response in your mind, right? Cruel, wicked, evil, monster. If I say Billy Graham, switches, right? Things completely different, based on a name. If I throw out Donald Trump or Joe Biden, you know, everything's different based on what side of the aisle you're on, you know? Because the name represents everything they are or everything we think they are, which may be completely different. It's everything. Let me throw out one more name, Jesus. Think of all that he is. His name represents everything about him. His perfection, his perfection in his character, his perfection in his service, his perfection in his love for us, his holiness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, all that he is. And it's that name that we claim as Christians. See, what makes our faith real and not some phantom faith. It's the fact that we are his, and it's because of who Jesus is, and because we belong to him, our faith can be real. We're, we're gonna go back this morning to, to the book of First John again, and I want us to catch how sure, how certain our faith can be based on who he is and our response to him. I think we usually think of 1 John as challenging to our faith, and, it, and it's, it's true. It does challenge us, but it also lets us see the certainty of it. See, our questioning of our faith should lead us to confirming our faith. Remember, John told us he wrote these things so that we would know that we have eternal life. He didn't write them so we go about around wondering all the time, doubting all the time. He didn't write this so that we would feel uncertain all the time. He wrote these things so that we could sort of put ourselves to the test. Take the exam and see how we come out and come to the confirmation that we are in fact children of God. And if it doesn't lead us to knowing, then we might need to take a step back and ask ourselves if we need to take that initial step of actually trusting fully in Jesus to save us from our sin and from the judgment that we deserve. If we're thinking, all that we're talking about here really isn't a part of our lives, then we should ask, have I ever really given my life to Him? So let's take a look. How can we know our faith is real? Think about what we saw last week, what Kevin talked about. Already saw the real faith means, first of all, we enjoy our connection with God, our walk with him. It's so meaningful to us, right? If, you're, uh, if you have a true faith, you have a meaningful walk with God that you enjoy. It's the most meaningful thing we have. There's nothing more personal and more private than our walk with him. As, at the same time, there's nothing more public. It's unique in that way. I mean, we enjoy privately something we can't fully explain to other people, right? When we're in our walk with Him, it's 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 something so private, so personal. But yet, it shows up. It should show up in everything about us. People should see in the things that we do and what we talk about that this is significant in our lives. That we are enjoying our walk with Him. There's nothing like walking with somebody, is there? I, uh, as Kevin was preaching last week, you know, I was really enjoying that that message. And sometimes, to me, when I really enjoy a message, it's when my mind, it it causes my mind to keep thinking. You know, even as as he's preaching, I'm thinking, wow, uh, and walking with somebody. You know, I think back to, to um, when I was a kid, and we lived a couple of houses away from the church my dad was pastoring, and sometimes he would walk back and forth, you know, at lunchtime or whatever, and sometimes I'd go with him. And there are certain memories that are there. You know, he used to wear, you know, on the bottom of dress shoes. I, guys, I don't know anybody does this still day or not, but they put the little metal things on the bottom that sort of kept them from wearing down inside. And so he, he clicked, you know, when he walked. And I remember walking with him and hearing that click. And dad wore old spice aftershave. <laughs> so I could smell the old spice. Walking with somebody. There's just something that ties you to them. I remember walking with my grandpa down to his barn on the edge of the woods where he had two or three cows that he would milk and, and walking with him and going down. When when he would go down, his pail would be empty. Of course, when he'd go down, we'd stand there and, and uh, we'd watch him milk. And then sometimes as we would come back, I remember offering to help him carry the pail because grandpa was old. <laughs> he needed help, I thought. Now I realize he wasn't that old. <laughs> And I'd struggle. I'd take that pail. I remember carrying it and just struggling to carry it back up to the house. And, and I remember hearing him behind me sort of laughing because he could see how much I'm struggling. He could have carried it easily. But those are, those are memories that you know. walking with someone. We walk with God in a very personal way. There's things that, the memories that we build up in our walk with Him. Are you enjoying that walk? And are you sensitive to sin? You know, we aren't, we aren't sinless, but we should be sensitive to our sin, aware of it, confessing it, turning from it. And we, and we never quit because of it. Are you sensitive to sin? And then loving other Christians, enjoying being around them, wanting to have them in our lives, wanting to be in their lives. We want to serve them. So Kevin talked about enjoying our connection, sensitive to sin, loving other Christians, but let's think about some other areas that John points out. Real faith also causes us to, first of all, walk with confidence, excuse me, to wait with confidence. Confidence. See, those who are called by his name, we wait with confidence. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, look at what John wrote in 1 John 3, verses two and three, beloved, now we are children of God, And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Do you catch how positive John is here? we know he says we're confident there's something unspeakable something unimaginable that we're convinced of that we're absolutely sure of that when he appears and by the way we are sure that's going to happen he's going to appear we absolutely know he's coming back remember when he ascended to heaven and he, and, he, and, he, and he left and the apostles are standing there they're looking up into the sky and 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 they were told, hey, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking to the sky? This Jesus, this Jesus, this same Jesus, the the one who's been taken up from you into heaven, is gonna come in the same way as as you watched him go into heaven. We're sure he's coming back. And when he does come for us, we also know that we're going to be like him. That's what John's just told us. That struggle that we talked about last week with sin, the doing things we don't want to do and not doing things we should do, that struggle that we have, it's going to be over. It's going to end because we're gonna be like him. What a relief. And we'll serve him perfectly without all the failures that we go through now. It's gonna be amazing. So we wait. We're waiting right now. We're waiting to see him. We know, we know we're know we going to go back and we're going to look into Jesus' face. What's that going to be like? What's it going to be like the moment you see him for the first time? That's what we're waiting for. And because real faith causes us to wait, Real believers who are waiting for that moment wait with confidence. See, John not only uses the word know here, that we know this, he uses the word hope here also. Having hope's a necessity, isn't it? Maybe you've heard that in the Air Force survival training courses, instructors teach something called the rule of threes. In a survival situation, you can last three weeks without food three days without water, three hours without shelter in extreme conditions, and three minutes without air. But you can't make it three seconds without hope. Hope's essential, but the hope John's talking about here isn't an uncertain hope, like, well, I hope I get rescued. No, it's a sure hope because we're fixed on him, his return. And so, those that are waiting, what does he tell us that they do? They purify themselves because of the realization that one day he's coming back and we're going to see him and we're going to be like him. It makes us want to be like him now. So, we purify ourselves. You know, we deal with our dirt. We're not just sitting around waiting for him to return. We're cleaning up our lives. That's part of our waiting. And we hold on to the promise that he's coming back again. Real faith causes us to wait with confidence for that moment. That's how we know our faith isn't phantom. So are you waiting? Are you waiting for that? How often do you think about Jesus return. How often do you think about being in his presence? And does the thought of being in his presence drive you, compel you to clean up your life? We know it's going to happen. Real faith causes that. Are you waiting with confidence? Real faith also causes us to pray with confidence. John tells us in chapter five, verse 14, he says, "'This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him.'" Do you catch the confidence there, this is the confidence, this is what we absolutely know, Ask anything, anything according to his will, which that's absolutely important, we can't miss that. But I also don't want us to miss the breadth of the statement. If we ask anything, then we have the request. And notice it says here, doesn't say here we will have, it says here we have. See, it's done. Here's the deal. We never have to wait for an answer to prayer. Never have to. Our prayers are immediately answered. It's like what God said about his people in the future, during Jesus' future kingdom that he'll establish here on earth. In Isaiah 65, God is speaking in verse 24, and he says this. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. He's like, "Hey, they're going to they're going to start they're going to pray to me and before they even speak as they're talking, there will be an answer. It's a lot like what John's saying here, presently. John's saying, "Hey, you ask, you have." God says, "Hey, in the future, they're going to ask, and I'm going to answer." It was that same way in the past. Daniel, Daniel chapter nine. Daniel was praying for his people, and he's praying to God. And and and, and all. And Daniel said, tells us, "While I was still speaking in prayer," and then he tells us what happened. That God sent him a messenger. It was Gabriel, and he and he was told by Gabriel that at the beginning of your prayers, Daniel, the command was issued. Daniel, when you started praying, God answered. And I was sent, I've come to tell you the message that God has for you. From the moment you started praying, Daniel, God answered. Think about that. God's telling us in the past, when he dealt with his people and they prayed, he answered. Presently, right now, when we pray, He answered in the future, when his people pray, God will answer. That that should just so enliven our prayer life. To think about, I open my mouth, I begin to pray, and at that very moment, God is moving. And if it's according to his will, the answer will be yes. Great news, John says this is the confidence. We exude with confidence, we know, we're certain. And this is the source of our confidence, the one we rely on, the one we're connected to. He hears our requests, he hears our requests about anything that we're dealing with. Nothing too big, nothing too small, he hears us. And since he hears us, our requests will be granted if it's his will for us. And if it isn't his will for us, and his answer is no, it's better that we don't get what we're asking for anyway. See, he's got a better plan for us. He's always working for our good, right? Say, how do you know that? Because of his name, because of his character, because of everything that he is, we can trust him to do what's best. He's not sitting back, flippantly deciding which requests he'll grant, which ones he won't. It's not like some big cosmic dart game where if the dart hits the bullseye, he grants the request. No, the all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God gives us what is best for us. He gives us so many good things in life that sometimes we're overwhelmed. We're bowled over by how good we've got it. And even in times, even in times where he leads us through days that we feel like they couldn't get any darker. And we wonder how can we possibly hang on? We can hang on because of the name of Jesus. Because of all that he is, we trust him. See, when our faith is real, We pray with confidence. And when you get a hold of that truth, you find real life in your prayers. I mean, why wouldn't we want to pray about everything if that's true? If we know that the almighty, all-knowing, loving God has promised to answer, and the moment I open my mouth, He's moving. Who wouldn't want to pray? And if it's good for us that we get what he's, we're requesting, He gives it to us. If it's in His will, He gives it to us. Real faith causes us to pray with confidence. And when our faith is real, we can live with confidence. Chapter 5, verse 4 says, for everyone born of God, everyone born of God, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. John's talking here about, here about how we live, how we live in this hostile world and about being obedient to God. And this is the obedience, he says. This is the win for us, our faith. Simply trusting God without throwing in any other components, without throwing in any, in any other steps, we just trust God as we live our lives. And that's the obedience he's looking for, that we would believe him. That's where he wants our hearts, trusting him. Back in chapter four, John says, verse four, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We've overcome them. And who's the them that's there? You've overcome them. Well, it's those who are spreading false teachings, those who teach the wrong thing about how to know God. You've overcome them. And and how did you do that? By faith, when you trusted in Christ alone. And because we have him, we when We overcome. We win for no other reason than greater is He who is in you than He who's in the world. It's all because of our connection to Him. We have overcome. We do overcome. We will overcome. And that's not just some way of psyching ourselves up. You know, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. No. That's the reality of our lives. We overcome, we win in life. This is our victory. And when you know that and are convinced of that, nothing that comes your way causes you to be shaken. No trial, no temptation, no pain, nothing. You know, we live in a time where people are, are, are sort of nervous, aren't they? they don't know what the future is gonna hold. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with our government. We don't know what's going to happen in our culture. We don't. You know, this, we're, we're, a lot of people nervous, and things may not turn out the way we like. Whatever that is, but this is what we know: that as believers as children of God, we live with confidence. We've overcome. We will overcome. It's okay. I can tr- I can, because I'm trusting in the one who is who he is. I'm trusting in the name of Jesus. It's okay. Everyone born of God, we're told. Everyone. None of us are left out of overcoming. You know, so so we live with confidence. We don't have to reach some special level of Christianity. We don't try to reach some higher plane. Everyone born of God overcomes. And so we live with confidence. There's a settled peace in us. No matter what we face. And no matter what the outcome is, it's always going to be the same. We win. Just because of our faith. So, how do we know our faith is real? Well, what we've seen in the last two weeks we enjoy our con- connection to Him, we stay sensitive to sin, we love other believers. And then we wait with confidence. We pray with confidence. We live with confidence. And when you see those things happening, you know your faith. It's not a phantom faith at all. It's, a, it's completely real. And if you, you're seeing those things, then you get to celebrate the reality of a faith that has changed your life, that has changed your eternal destiny. You get to celebrate, not because you've done something, but because of your connection to Jesus, because of who he is. Celebrate the fact that your faith is real. And if you're not seeing those things, it's time to consider where you really stand with God. If you're not sure, The best step you will ever take, you can take right now. The best step you'll ever take in your life is to turn to him and simply ask him for forgiveness of your sin. Based on the sacrifice, the death of Jesus on the cross in payment for your sin. If you turn to him, ask for forgiveness right now. To come into your life and change your life. He will. He's promised he'll answer that prayer. If you'll turn to him now and he'll give you a faith that's real. And you can go through this life overcoming. If you have questions about that in just a minute, we're gonna close the service. There'll be pastors right here, back here in this room right here. And we'd be glad to sit and talk with you about that. If you're just not quite ready, but you're close, just have a couple of things you want to ask or maybe you got a lot of things you want to ask it's okay we'd be glad to talk with you about that I want to see you come to know Jesus because there's nothing better if you're a follower of Christ today's a day to celebrate the reality of your faith let's pray Father in heaven we thank you Thank you for sending your son. Thank you that he would be willing to step down from heaven to come to offer to us the opportunity to know you. Thank you for the love that, that drove that. Allowed us, Father, to come into this relationship that has changed us, God. Made us new gives us hope, allows us to walk through this life with confidence. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And Father, if there's anyone here who hasn't taken that initial step, Father, I pray you you would draw them to yourself right now. They would take that step. Trust you. God, help us this week to walk in truth in life in a way that brings honor to your name. Help us be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.